You're listening to Grad School Confessional, a new podcast that explores the good, bad, and ugly side of graduate school, directly from graduate students themselves. I'm your host, Dr. Yoa Sway. From awkward supervisor interactions to reviewer two horror stories, to convincing your parents why grad school was a good idea, we read out the confessions of graduate students from all over and chat about the realities of pursuing higher education. My co-host today is none other than my lovely wife, Anna. How are you, dear? Well, I'm writing my thesis, so you tell me. Hmm, could be better. Anna is a PhD candidate studying medical sociology, where researchers ask, what if patients were also people? Turns out they are. Who knew? Who knew? I'm really excited about the stories we have on today's show. In the spirit of the start of term and the renewal of courses and TA ships and hopes and dreams, we have some new graduate student confessions. Oh, to be young and naive. Do you remember when you first started graduate school? I do. I was 25 in a completely different field. Do you remember when I used to do stats? <laughs> it seems like so long ago. So long ago. It's like it never even happened. Yeah, actually, you took like a lot of stats in your like undergrad, right? I took three stats courses in my undergrad, yes. You None just... of it retained. Yeah, I know. Like, honestly, who even really knows what a T-test is? Like, what does the T stand for? Traumatic? Mm, the traumatic test. You know, it does does bring back some it makes, pretty... It makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. It does yeah. make sense. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, how about we start with our first confession? Our first confession concerns a new grad student who faces some uncertainty with their first ethics application. They write, As a master's student, you hear so much about the rigorous process of going through ethics and dealing with all the ideological revisions that come before getting to finally conduct your research. Well, in my first time going through ethics, I wasn't sure what that process was going to look like, so after I constructed my research topic and was getting ready to get things together for ethics submission, I had the brilliant idea of using Google to see how to do it. What I found was a bunch of quote-unquote example documents for ethics that were approximately 70 pages each outlining varying topics in the field of health sciences. So what did I do? Well, over the next month, I proceeded to write a 70-page ethics report to be ready for submission. After 30 days of grueling literature search and editing my quote-unquote report, it was ready to be submitted. At this point, I found out that submitting ethics is no more than going through a set of check marks and inputting design information into blank boxes. I had just spent a month formatting, editing, and manufacturing this beautifully crafted paper, all to find out it was for nothing. Grad life is funny like that. Always ask your supervisor and peers for guidance when you are unsure. Wow. 70 pages of ethics. That's longer than my master's thesis. You know, I actually think it was longer than my master's thesis too. Like it, when you take away all the tables and whatnot, like it's definitely longer. That's fair. I think it like, but at least it was good writing practice, right? Like you had to do the research anyway and you know. I've just, I've never in my life come across an ethics report on Google. I don't think I've ever looked for one if I'm being honest. Yeah. Yeah, I've never looked for one. I don't blame this person, though, for thinking that ethics was this, like, really long process. Like, I was introduced to ethics application the proper way, and even then, I still thought it was, like, very laborious. Laborious? Laborious. Laborious, yeah. Laborious. That's the word. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was very laborious still. Like, I think it took me three months 
to finish my first ethics application. But you took like really long breaks between That's logging true. into the system. I took really long breaks with everything in my master's. <laughs> Did you take the summer off? Yeah, well, I mean, if my supervisor is hearing this, no. But um, if anyone else is listening, then probably more time than I should have off, yeah. I think the takeaway is that it's okay to consult people when it comes to your ethics. Especially mm. when it comes to consulting your ethics department. Because they are people, and even though they want things done in a particular way, they're more than happy to share all the steps that go into making mm -hmm. it happen that way. And they will tell you. So Definitely. before you file their ethics, find out who your ethics officer is and shoot them an email or two, or like me, continue to call them until they stop returning your calls. You know, persistence is key in so many things, I find. Yeah. I actually wish I had done that, though. Not the whole... Um, bothering my ethics officer until they, you know, block my email, but just getting in touch with an ethics officer and like asking them what is it they wanted. Like, <laughs> it's funny because so at the end of every ethics application, you know how you're supposed to have your supervisor like sign off on it so that everything's like, oh, it's all ethically sound and this is what we're doing. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um. So <laughs> our supervisor wouldn't always, I guess, read over it very clearly. Um, and it kind of became like a consistent thing with all of their students. And so the ethics officer actually, like, I found out from a friend of a friend that the ethics officers were like flagging down our ethics applications specifically and were like kind of ripping into them. What were you doing that warranted the ripping? I mean, you know, the standard stuff, just like ritual sacrifice and... Weren't you in kinesiology? Yeah, there's plenty of ritual sacrifice in kinesiology. That's fair. That's like basically exercise, isn't it? <laughs> moving on moving on okay so on to our next confession where the realities of starting grad school during covid are made uncomfortably clear for this new grad student they write to set the scene covid is going strong we're talking the dog days of total isolation no gyms no walking into stores and no kissing babies on the campaign trail anyway i'm a new grad and all of my communication has been online and I haven't even met my lab mates in person, let alone been to the actual lab. So, one lucky day, I get an email from a senior grad student asking if I'd like to meet at the lab to talk about a project I'll be helping with, and obviously, I jumped at the bit. We agreed on a day and time, I planned my road to school, pretty much did everything except pack a lunch, and I headed out that morning. Because this was the first time meeting anyone in person from the lab, I thought it'd be best to get there early, you know, to show I have all those great qualities that arriving early shows. So I get to campus and the lab about 15 minutes early from the meeting time, and then began what will be titled in my biography as The Great Wait. The Great Wait involved me pacing back and forth, wondering if the person I was set to meet will ever show, or if they forgot where the lab was, or if this was just a little new grad hazing session. About a minute away from the scheduled meeting and the feeling that something was off became very apparent. So I did what any new grad who has no cell phone number to call or text would do, I spam emailed the person I was set to meet. Luckily, this person was fast on the gun and sent me a very concise response of, wrong building. Turns out, I happened to be in a building that was pretty much opposite to where I was supposed to be. I managed to get to the right lab, only 5 minutes late with the help of some foot speed that would put Olympic sprinters to shame. But the moral of the story here is that a good first step is to double check the time, a nice follow up is to double check the location, and if all else fails, keep up the cardio so you can at least bolt across campus like Usain Bolt himself. 
Okay, okay, okay. So as I was listening to this confession or story, I completely lit up because the exact same thing has happened to me, except it was even more embarrassing because it was <laughs> not during COVID. And instead of um, going to the wrong building, I went to the wrong hospital <laughs> because this was the first time I was meeting my supervisor in person and I had to go to a different city to meet them because that's where the university was. Um, and I went to the hospital and they were not there and I called them and they said, the city actually has three hospitals <laughs> and you're not very wrong. You're very, very wrong. Like you're on the other side of the city. Oh no. And so I had to, I kid you not, I had to bus across to the south end of the city. Dang. And they still took me. So, you know, that's that's the kind of impression I make. Yeah, yeah, no. Just for a sure. hot mess. That's <laughs> what you want. That's what you want in your lab, right? You're like, I'm not gonna give up. I will take public transportation to get to your lab. I may not be it's bright. Perseverance, man. We were talking I'm about not before. bright, but I'm tenacious. <laughs> persistence. Persistence is key. <laughs> no, it's funny. I, I totally agree with you. I think that um I've had I think everyone has had those experiences where they're like definitely not in the place they're supposed to be like when you're an undergrad and you're in class and it's like oh this is the wrong class or this is like the wrong tutorial but i don't know about you my social anxiety is just like yeah but i'm not gonna move i'm just gonna learn about zoology today i've learned about so many things that i wasn't supposed to just because i walked into the wrong room was too scared to leave but isn't that just kind of university though you just kind of like learn things that you didn't expect to by walking into different rooms whether you do by accident or intentionally, it's kind of just like... I'm pretty sure what you're describing is just poor planning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, that how, is that how degrees in kinesiology are given out? Oh. Like, which classes did you stumble <laughs> into during the year? Like, here you go, Okay, bud. but to be fair, though, like, my university also offered, like, those courses where you just do sports, like archery or swimming oh, or whatever. So Dude, I wish I had taken them in my undergrad. I wish I could I do trampoline for a credit. Yeah, just jump up and down. and Like, literally, you're just jumping up and down for credit. I'd fail. I'd fall so hard. <laughs> I'm so scared of heights. Why would you do trampoline, then? It looks cool. I want it to be cool in undergrad. Oh, yeah, that's fair. That's, that's fair. fair. You don't want to be cool now? I've given up. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, you're doing a PhD. What are you going to do? Yeah. Um, I do have a funny story about this, too, though. As uh, <laughs> almost worse than being the student being late or not being in the right spot, I have been the instructor that has been in the like wrong room and location entirely. So I had, was teaching this course, upper year course in my last year, my PhD, and my supervisor had taught it the year before and I had been a TA for it. So I knew where the class was. Um, I put that in quotations and I just, you know, made the syllabus and put that room as the room the class was in. And so, you know, come school term, the students are, they get their, their, course information beforehand and obviously I should have checked this too so I'm setting up in this room I get there super early because I'm a keener I start setting up my powerpoint I get you know all the slides ready to go and you know a couple students start filing in and they've kind of got these like confused looks about them and like maybe five minutes before class starts I'm starting to get a bit worried because I'm like I don't none of these students really look like they know what they're doing here and so I go up to one I'm just like hey is this uh, you know this course code whatever and they're like uh, no, it's not. And I realized that, turns out, they just changed the room of a course wherever they have the space for it, year by year, which sounds entirely obvious, but I, I didn't know, so I had to run to that class. But the funny part about that was that I had like 10 students 
if we were taking that course, who still picked the room I was in, because I wrote it in the syllabus, over the correct room. They had faith in you. So, okay, what was the class that was supposed to happen in that classroom? I'm sure it was some kind of engineering class or something. So there was no way you could have even, like, no. <laughs> I just could have tried. Hey, this guys, like... this is Engineering 101. That's a real course, right? <laughs> you, guys, you guys like shapes? We're going to talk about shapes today. <laughs> this is a nail. <laughs> the nail goes in my coffin. Click, click. Yeah, so I definitely couldn't have thought that. Um... But I think it was it was still a like humbling experience. I think the funniest part a humbling experience what, in was... locating yourself on campus. <laughs> Weren't you in that university for like six years at that point? Uh, probably five. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's so funny though because one of the sort of um, supervisor director of the labs, whatever, uh, one of the senior professors, whatever their job is, whatever their job is he was saying how. Okay, like, oh, you're teaching this course, that's great. Just, like, don't be late. Don't show up in the wrong spot. And I, like, had to tell him afterwards that I went to the wrong spot. And I think the worst part is he just looked at me and he's like, yeah, I figured. <laughs> like, the kind of impression I'm setting here. I love how the baseline is just... Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. Anyway, on to our last confession. Today's last confession is a bit of a retrospective. The deliberations and eruditions of an older and wiser person. What's an erudition? You like the word eruditions? Yeah. I, I just don't know what it means, but it sounds right. Basically the same philosophy I applied to my academic writing. It just sounds good, you know? Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> I've read your manuscripts. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. Starting my master's, I had minimal research experience other than the labs from undergraduate classes, so I had a steep learning curve ahead of me upon entering grad school. However, I knew profs and supervisors were always busy, and as a result, sometimes things were missed or forgotten or just avoided. Fast forward one year into my master's, and I became increasingly frustrated with how my supervisor would tell me to redo an action item a different way, despite telling me exactly how he wanted it completed the first time. For example, redo analysis X, but write this, or rewrite a paragraph X this way, of course, I recognize that new thoughts and ideas can be generated, but they're all aimed at ultimately enhancing the final manuscript. As the trainee, I was becoming increasingly frustrated with being told to redo items repeatedly, especially when it seemed we were not adding value, or that my supervisor's instructions were simply changing with their mood. Fast forward again to my PhD, and I ran into a similar issue, which was compounded by my supervisor micromanaging to the point of telling me what color the cells should be in an Excel file. Frustrated with it all, I started asking my supervisor, why are we changing this if you already told me to do it X way the first time? Upon hearing that they were responsible for why I completed an action item a certain way, because they had forgotten, they would often change their tone and instead be satisfied with the work completed. The take home message, we grad students are at the mercy of our powerful supervisors, but you need to stand up for yourself if and when the time comes. If not, you are likely to lose interest in your project and potentially not completed within the allotted time. What's the most infuriating comment you've ever gotten? I'll go first. I had a section of my manuscript highlighted and the comment was wrong. <laughs> and I was like, well, I agree. I also am not sure where to go from here. <laughs> it's a start, <laughs> but... That was very demoralized. It's like wrong. Why? Because it exists. Yeah, no, I, I actually remember you telling me that. It's... Uh, telling you that, I'm pretty sure you were there when I was crying over that comment. 
Raw. Over that entire manuscript. Oh, man. That was, I mean, honestly, your master's was pretty rough. I won't lie. I, like, I, I don't know if I've gotten infuriating comments. I remember that one time I was, like, you know, completely novice to the whole grad school thing, and I wrote, like, an outline. And granted, it might have been, like, a kind of a shitty outline, but I read, wrote an outline for a manuscript, my proposal, and I sent it to my supervisor, and he was like, we need to meet. And we spent, like, the an hour and a half going over why what I sent him was basically, like, not acceptable. Because <laughs> it was just, like, not... Like, at this level, you know, you gotta kind of be writing something. So, from that point on, I only ever sent him, like, complete manuscripts. <laughs> I'm so glad my supervisor has never seen an outline I've produced. It's just full of profanity. <laughs> it's just, that's that's my creative process. It's just swear words every other line. <laughs> swear words and memes, man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but like, no, I do get it though. Like what this person's saying with their supervisor and their relationship with them. Like, I think one of the frustrating things is to be, you know, very clearly the weaker person in a power dynamic like this, but also having to trust your supervisor and like, oh, they know what's right or they know what sounds good or whatnot. And like, I think that it's, it's hard to sometimes question that, but at the same time, I think it's important to realize that as you're going through this, this is training and you're giving your project more attention than your supervisor is. So, you know, if you're doing the research and you think you know better, that's important to voice that. Well, what caught my attention, I think it's the end of this confession that you're on the risk of falling out of love with your project because I guarantee you it will happen anyway. Mm -hmm. It will happen anyway, even if everything in your project goes 100% according to plan. And if everything in your writing goes 100% according to plan you will hate your research project by the time you submit the final manuscript <laughs> because it's just so long the research process is just so yeah. long yeah for sure i mean like the, how long can you like be in love with something before you know you just we recently got married by the way about a year ago so this is a good talk this to is have. a good talk to have yeah yeah, yeah. like um, a year yeah almost, almost a year yeah, yeah. we'll yeah. make it i think that's when you start falling out of love the honeymoon period, I think, is a year, yeah. We'll, we'll have to do some research into that. <laughs> Please, no. I can't do stats. You know this. I can only do a qualitative appraisal. Um, yeah, but I think one of the things that I think would really help with this specifically is, you know, if you can have this written record of the changes that you're being asked to make. Yes. and Yeah, and what you're doing, then it's easier to kind of come back later and be like, well, we did it this way this time just kind of asking your supervisor for the rationale about why you're doing it this way this time. Yeah, have them confirm things in writing. Like, I get it. You want to have your supervisor be, like, super on your side and be super supportive, but not everybody is, and you want to protect yourself. So mm -hmm. if you have a meeting where you didn't write things down, send them a follow-up, list the action items, and ask them, hey, did I get all of this correctly? Mm -hmm. And... They'll hopefully confirm, and then that's your record that they confirmed that this is what they wanted you to do. 100%. Yeah. I think I think just to confirm is, like, one of my favorite sentences to write. <laughs> just to confirm, you said this. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. This has been Grad School Confessional. I'm Dr. Yoasue. Special thanks again to my co-host, Anna. Anna, thank you again for joining me. See you for dinner, maybe? We'll see. We'll see. Gotta do more research into that honeymoon period. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing us with your social network and follow us on Twitter at GSConfessional. 
And if you have a confession you'd like to make, please use the anonymous link in the description or email thegradschoolconfessional at gmail.com. Spill that tea! <laughs> Until next time, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Principal Investigator, Amen.